You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the D&B Supply Show. I am thrilled to have you here. This is your host, Matt Breckwald. Well, this week, we're doing kind of a special episode, special to me for sure. And as I got to thinking about some of the things that we can do to help improve our communities, everybody out there within the sound of my voice, what can we do to improve our communities? I got to thinking about volunteer fire departments and some of the challenges that they're having in recruiting people in their communities to come and volunteer. Now, I've got to tell you a personal story before we get into the episode. So this coming Christmas, uh, Christmas Eve in 2019, is going to be a 40-year anniversary for me, so I'm dating myself a little bit. But 40 years ago, this coming December, it was Christmas Eve. Actually, it was Christmas Day at about 5 in the morning, and I lived in a very, very small town in the San Joaquin Valley of California, a really small town. About 40 people lived in town all farmers around there, and we had a volunteer fire department. And at about 4 or 4.30 that morning, my mom ran into my bedroom, ripped the covers off of my bed, and left me just sitting there shivering cold, not knowing what was going on. And she had run those covers out to the living room where my dad was trying to put out a fire in our living room. Our house had caught on fire in the very early morning hours of Christmas Day, 1979. And she got me up and started walking me out of the house, and I could see my dad running in and out of the house uh, with our garbage bucket from under the sink, filling it with water and trying to put out the fire. But he wasn't able to get that fire put out. And as I mentioned, I lived in a very, very small town, a, a rural farming community called Valley Home in California. And we had a volunteer fire department. And actually, the fire station for us, which housed a water tender and one fire engine, was just down at the end of the alley that we lived in. It was only about 150 yards from our kitchen door. And I can remember running, or actually, I was pretty tired. So I was walking out of my house to still waking up. And I can remember our neighbor running out of his house because what what the volunteer firefighters had back then is called a plectron. And when there was a call, these tones would go off in the middle of the night and it would just announce to the firefighters where they needed to respond to and what type of call it was. And I can remember our neighbor Fred ran out into the alley and my dad is outside filling the bucket with water to try and put out this fire. And they'd announced our address over the plectron which is normal standard operating procedure, except in in Valley Home where I grew up, nobody knew anybody's address. We just kind of knew where the place should belong. And as Fred ran into the alley and saw my dad, he yelled at him, where in the world is this address? Because he knew it needed to be nearby, but he had no idea which house it was in our small little town. And my dad yelled back and said, it's my house, I'm on fire. And Fred took off running down to the firehouse, got one of the fire trucks, drove it, 150 yards to our house and all the different volunteers from our community who came from out on farms uh, up to 20 miles away or as near as right there in town wound up at our house and by 6 30 or 7 on christmas morning 1979 the fire was out the house was not destroyed and we were basically having a little christmas party at our place that was all started by a candle on the uh on the coffee table in our living room and, you know, it really set in my mind a, a determination to serve my community. I spent 15 years as a police officer and in a few different communities that I've lived in along the way. And it always kind of set that in my mind, uh, a point of service, uh, the need to serve your communities, but really especially true in a rural community because had we not had willing volunteers in Valley Home and had we not had a volunteer fire department just right down the road, which financially was supported by our community, then it would have been 25 minutes before the first fire truck would have got there and we would have probably lost our entire house. So today's episode is really personal for me. It's something that I lived through, something that I watched. It's something. It's a community that I grew up in and I knew how central the volunteer fire department was to our community and how 
everybody in the community seemed to be involved in one way or another. And I wanted to profile that for all of you because so many of you listening to this show live in a rural community that is dependent upon volunteers to provide safety, to provide emergency medical response, to help put out fires, to do all of those different things. And I definitely wanted to talk about that with you today. So on today's show, I have two guests. Our first guest is a young lady named Haley Harding who is a volunteer with the Huntington, Oregon Fire Department, and her full-time career is as a sheriff's deputy in Malheur County over in Ontario in eastern Oregon. So she has a life that is full of service both there in the Huntington Fire Department as well as the Malheur County Sheriff's Department, and she's going to talk to us about her experience being a volunteer firefighter and why she did it and what it means to her. And then after we get done interviewing Haley... I'll be interviewing Steve Hirsch, who is a is the first vice chair of the National Volunteer Fire Council, and he's actually got a lot of family in Eastern Oregon in the Burns area as well. But he's going to be talking to us about the statistics and the need for volunteer firefighters throughout our communities and what they're looking for, some of the challenges that volunteer firefighters come up against in these positions because while we do need volunteer firefighters and EMS and rescue personnel all throughout our rural communities throughout eastern Oregon and southwest Idaho, uh, it is a job with some requirements. It's a volunteer position with some requirements and it doesn't suit every single person out there. So Steve will be coming on after Haley and he'll be talking about that a little bit and I hope this episode can help you figure out a way to support your local volunteer fire department, and even inspire some of you to go ahead and volunteer. But there's lots you can do, whether or not you're the actual person who's putting on the clothing and going out there in the truck and putting out the fires or cutting people out of cars. There's something that all of us can do to support this very, very important volunteer function in our rural community. So we'll have that coming up for you here in just a moment. Haley, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me. You bet. And I want to start off by saying thank you very much for your service. Uh, We're going to talk all about what you've been doing, but I mean, you're just constantly serving your community, both as a sheriff's deputy in Malheur County, as well as a volunteer firefighter for Huntington, right? Yes, that's that's correct. Uh, I really enjoy it. I like to be able to give back as much as I can to the communities I live in and communities I serve. Well, thank you so much for doing that. And, And I just, you know, on this episode, we're really trying to profile the importance of people being involved in volunteer fire departments, especially in rural areas, and the reason that those are needed so deeply. And so I was just thrilled to be able to speak with you. You're here from our local area over in eastern Oregon and talk to you about your experience and why you do it. So uh, if we could, tell us just a little bit about you. What What is your full-time career and then uh, you know, what part of the country are you from or what part of the state? And uh, we'll go from there. Okay. Yeah, I'm mostly an Eastern Oregon native. You or moved up here when I was very young, so Eastern Oregon is pretty much all I've known. I've lived in Huntington most of my life, so very small town, small community. Uh, I've been working for the Malheur County Sheriff's Office for about six years now, a little over six years. I started in the jail, so I worked there for just over five years, and now I'm patrol, so I'm a sheriff's deputy out on the road patrolling our communities. I started volunteering with the Huntington Fire Department not too long after high school. So it's probably been uh, eight or nine years mm-hmm. that I've been doing that. I love it. You know, it's it's challenging, but also very, very rewarding. And I, I have a lot of fun. So what made you decide to do that? What kind of made you go, this is what I want to do. I want to volunteer. Uh, you know, I don't know that I could that I could pick out anything specific, but I always, you know, when I was in high school and, um, you know, playing sports and that kind of stuff, I would always see the members of our um volunteer fire department at the games, you know, Mm -hmm. the football games, the basketball games, that kind of stuff. And, you know, unfortunately there was a couple of times where, where they were needed at those games. And I just, I was like, man, I really respect them. Like, you know, I I wish I had their knowledge. And I, I think that's so cool that they're just showing up and they're being there and ready before they're even needed. And I don't know, I just had a lot of respect for them. And I always was curious about what kind of training they had, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what makes them be able to do the things they do and serve us at the way, the way they do. And were these folks that you knew from from the community outside of their roles on the volunteer fire department? Yep, they're all, everyone on the fire department here in Huntington is, you know, part of the community here. We, we have to be to be able to respond uh, in a timely manner. So, yeah, um, the chief was a friend of mine in high school and a, a gal I played sports with. It was her 
uh, her dad and her mom, and they mm-hmm. were they were the two that were you know just just always there. And I always thought that was pretty neat. They you know they have lives and jobs outside of their volunteering, but they were always there and willing to help. So I just really respected that. So when when they asked me to be a part of the fire department, I was kind of humbled. Like me, you know, why me? You know, mm-hmm. like we just think you know you know, you'd be a good fit and you volunteered in our community and other capacities. So we just, you know, thought you'd fit in and be a good part of it. Now, do you have a specialty? Is there a particular assignment that you have or does everybody who volunteers, they all have to be able to do all the different tasks equally? You know, um, it kind of just varies because, you know, we have some volunteers who are able to show up and train and help more than others, you know, because we all, we all have jobs. We all have to make a living. Mm -hmm. So it just depends on how much training they've been able to do, if they're able to perform that job that they're needed to do. Mm -hmm. But mostly we try and all be able to do everything. You know, we all try and familiarize ourselves with all of our equipment, all of our rigs, but you know, there are other people who we take medical calls as well. So people who are trained a lot more medically and the other people just kind of assist. So I don't have a, an actual particular job when it comes to a fire or a medical call. You know, we all just kind of jump in and help each other as we can. Now, I've been to Huntington, but a lot of our listeners probably have not. Can you tell us how far is Huntington from the nearest city, which I'm assuming is either Weezer or Ontario? Yep. uh, Weezer's about 25 minutes. Ontario is about 30 minutes. And if you're coming the other direction, Baker City's 45 minutes. So we're we're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, you kind of are. And so how important is it to have a group of volunteers that are there and able to help people if they're having a medical problem or a car accident or a fire or something like that? You know, it's it's really invaluable. You know, you can't, I don't know how to emphasize how important it is when, you know, when you're that far away. You know, it's, it's really important to have somebody and people in this community who are five or ten minutes away. Whereas, you know, if you're having to call someone from, you know, Baker City or Weezer or mm-hmm. Ontario, uh, it, you know, it takes a lot of time. So say we're, we're out on the freeway on a, on a car accident, you know, typically we call Treasure Valley Paramedics out of Ontario. Mm-hmm. Well, they have to have city coverage before they can even respond out here. So occasionally there's times where we wait before they can even come to us. So we're doing things like, you know, of course, making sure that they're okay, you know starting that basic medical care. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, I shouldn't say a lot of times, but you know, often you have to extract people from vehicles. So mostly our goal is to have them ready when um, whatever agency is transporting them to a hospital or wherever they need to go, have them ready when they get there. And, you know, a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever been in a car accident or anyone who can't, has been could say, you know, it's really scary. Mm-hmm. So just seeing even though we can't transport them right away, just having us there and seeing our faces really, really helps calm them. Just to know that there's someone there with some training and experience looking out for them and taking care of them until we can get them where they need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And and out there on I-84, especially if there was uh, inclement weather going on, it could be a long time for people to get to your, your stretch of the interstate if you weren't there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's it, this is a pretty bad stretch of interstate that uh, the Huntington Fire Department covers. So, you know, when it, when the road gets bad, we're we're out there constantly. Now, in in terms of your career as a volunteer firefighter, has there been one thing, good or bad, that has stood out to you over time? You know, um, it kind of comes in waves. You know, sometimes you get those calls that that can be a little hard on you. You know, mm-hmm. you're doing you're doing this for free. You know, out of the goodness of your heart. And sometimes they are they are difficult and challenging and stressful. But sometimes they're they're very rewarding. I I couldn't pick out a story that that was the most rewarding. You know, when someone asks you, when they ask me what I do, you know, tell me about your time with the fire department. They all say, tell me the best story. You know, tell me the the coolest story. I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. Well, dispatch sends me out to this call that just sounds horrible. You know, all of these thoughts are going through your mind when you're driving there. You're thinking, all right, what am I going to do when I get there? What's my priority? How am I going to do it safely? What happens if this, this, you know, that's how our minds are working. But the best stories are the ones that come in like they're horrible and you get there and everyone's just okay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> those, those are the good stories to me. But something else that is kind of is rewarding to me is, you know, within every community, there's going to be an elderly population. And a lot of these people don't have family nearby or people taking care of them nonstop. So mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, we get these people in our community and they're just nonstop, you know? 
they're calling 911 because they need something. And when sure. you get there, it's not a it's not a true emergency. It might be to them, but you realize, man, they just they don't have anyone. Right. They probably called us here because they needed someone to talk to. And you know what? We're glad to do that. Those are those are rewarding to me. Well, it's really interesting. And, and and for folks that don't understand how it works, tell us how it works. So you're you're not working. You're on a day off or a night off. It's two in the morning, yep. and somebody needs help. So you're at home. You're in bed. You're asleep. It's two a.m. Somebody needs help. What are the steps? What happens? And how do you respond? So of course they they have called the dispatch center or called nine one one and. We're dispatched out of Baker County because Huntington is in Baker County. So we all have radios that we take home. So you'll you'll get the, the page. We call it, you know, the tones on your radio. And they uh-huh. tell you, you know, what, what they need. If it's a fire, if it's a medical, if it's a motor vehicle collision. So they, they just give you the basics of what it is. In reality, you don't you don't know quite what it is you're going to. So we all, you know, get dressed, get our, get our basics on, go down to the... We have two um, firehouses here in Huntington. Mm-hmm. So we all go down there, get our gear, get what we need according to the call and decide what vehicles we need to take in response for whatever the call is and and head out. And, you know, you might be there 30 minutes or an hour or you might be there eight hours. Mm-hmm. You, you never know, you know. And I, I just want to emphasize that is that you're home in bed, that goes off and you've got to get up, you've got to get dressed, get to the station, get the vehicle, get to the scene. I mean, it's there's many steps in between. Oh, yeah, yep. And you got to do it, you know, as quickly as you possibly can while doing it safely. Right. Well, it's really interesting. Does your law enforcement career ever overlap with what you do as a volunteer firefighter? Uh, occasionally. Most of our calls are um, with the fire department are in Baker County. Occasionally we'll go out on the interstate in the Malheur County and, mm-hmm. you know, see familiar faces and that kind of stuff. And that, ha- that did happen to me when I was in the jail. I went out on a, frankly, this crazy call. We didn't know what it was until we got there on the interstate. And some people had detained this man just because he was dangerous and, you know, I'm out there on the call, provide the medical I need, do my job, go home, go into work when I was working in the jail, and here they are bringing this guy in. <laughs> so yeah. it, it happened occasionally, yes. Sure. But, you know, it, the vol- volunteering with the fire department has really helped me in my, in my actual career at work, you know, working for the sheriff's office. It's really prepared me for, you know, understanding what's important when mm-hmm. I'm on scene, you know, having the knowledge to provide that basic medical care, if that's what's needed and, you know, helping kind of triage and mm-hmm. figure out what I need to do. Well, Haley, thank you so much for all you do for your community and for the rest of us who are traveling through that community. And thank you for sharing just a little bit of a piece of that with us today so we can all get a little bit of a glimpse into what it's like. You betcha. And I, I hope that and people hearing this, you know, they would maybe consider helping out volunteering somewhere because even in my capacity at the sheriff's office you know we're out in these small towns and sometimes we need help and a lot of times that's what we get as volunteers and they're doing the same exact thing i am on their own time and they're invaluable i don't know what what we would do without them so we will be right back with steve hirsch for work play or a little bit of both this winter stop by dnb supply for wrangler gear from flannel line jeans to stylish shirts and jackets fit for the field or a night out wrangler has you covered established in 1947 with the spirit of courageous individuality wrangler apparel is designed to last and look good to boot with new styles and great fits it's clothing that wears well no matter what the season or what life throws at it so stop by your favorite dnb and get covered this this winter in Wrangler gear. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Bayland Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Bayland Country at DNB. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Bayland Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Bayland Country at DNB Supply. Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. You bet, Matt. Thank you for, for asking. Hey, you bet. I, I am really looking forward to doing this episode. I've, I've been looking forward to profiling this for a while, and I know there's a need, so I really appreciate you coming on. I, I wonder if we might start off by just having you just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live, what your full-time job is, and, and then we'll jump into the, the main topic. Yes, sir. I live in the northwest part of Kansas. Uh, this is high desert out here, very much like... Uh, Southeast Oregon is high desert. Mm-hmm. I'm 15 miles from Nebraska and 70 from Colorado, so right out in the corner of the state. 
volunteering is a passion. Volunteer firefighting is a passion, but my real full-time job, the one that pays enough money to enable me to do the volunteer work, is as an attorney. Besides having my private law practice, uh, I'm county attorney, which means prosecutor, basically. Represent 18 small cities out in this part of the world. Right now, I do about a thousand income tax returns, so we're pretty hot and heavy doing those with the farm tax season coming up here. Uh, well, it's underway. Right <laughs> That's now. right. And I guess I'd probably throw in too. There's a grandpa thrown in there somewhere that I, <laughs> I got to play grandpa every once in a while. All right. So obviously, you're very active in your community. You're serving them in your professional duties, but uh, also in your in your volunteer time as well. Right. Right. I got a little Oregon connection too, and that uh, after World War One, three of my great uh, two two of my great uncles and one great aunt moved out to the Harney County area, and. Uh, and then after World War II, a couple more aunts, my, my dad's sisters, moved out to Burns and Hines. So I've got a lot of relatives in that French Glen, Burns, Hines, Seneca portion of Oregon. So I've been out there many times. Very interesting. Very cool. Now, what was the significance of the moves post-war? Was it when they got back from serving, or what was the significance there? You know, you know, some of that was the case, but... but um, you know, for those that moved out after World War One, it was simply because uh, there was the availability of farm ground mm-hmm. out there, and that's that's why they moved out then. Um, I honestly I don't know for sure about my my aunts why they moved out there, but they moved out there and found boys to get married to and stayed. <laughs> well, that'll work, right? That's right. Well, we're going to talk about your your service and your volunteer firefighting service here coming up in a minute. But you've got another title and another thing you do as a, as a form of service to communities all over the country. Could you tell us about the National Volunteer Fire Council? I certainly can. The National Volunteer Fire Council is uh, one of the leading uh, national organizations in the fire service. Basically, are three national fire service organizations, International Association of Fire Chiefs, which obviously represents the fire chiefs, uh, the International Association of Firefighters, which represents uh, career union firefighters, and then the National Volunteer Fire Council, which obviously by its very name represents the volunteer fires, uh, firefighters and EMS personnel across the country. The composition of the NVFC is it's made up, there are two directors from each state, 49 of the states. We haven't been able to find volunteers in Hawaii. We're celebrating about 40 years of being in this business. So, for example, in Oregon, the Oregon State Volunteer Firefighters Association is a member of our organization. And in Idaho, it is the Idaho Volunteer Fire and Emergency Services Association. So there's two directors from each state. We all get together a couple of times a year and and talk about basically how we keep our volunteer firefighters safe and how we keep them proficient with the job that they do in the communities that they serve in. What is your role in the in the NVFC? Okay, well, other than obviously I represent Kansas there, I, I've served for about 20 years as secretary of the Kansas State Firefighters Association. And just so you kind of know, um, you know, maybe it's kind of unusual for a lawyer to be a firefighter. I guess I put out fires in two different ways, uh, both from a legal standpoint and, <laughs> and, and literally on the end of a hose line. But uh, in 1963, my father started a rural fire district in the north central part of Kansas, and I was born the year before that. So I've grown up with this my entire life, and, and you know, it's just it's just part and parcel of what I do. But you know, it, it's great to be able to assist volunteer firefighters in doing their job. And you serve as one as well, obviously. Yes, I do. My department is Sheridan County Fire Department at Hoxie, Kansas. Population in our county is about 2,500 to 3,000 people. Uh, We're the only fire department in the county covering about 900 square miles, have no career people. They're all, all volunteer department. Well, I've got to ask you, so you're working as the prosecuting attorney in your county. Do you ever go to calls, car accidents, like DUIs or things like that, where you have to recuse yourself as a prosecutor because you've been involved as a volunteer firefighter? Fortunately for me, I'm the county attorney in one county and work on a fire department in a different county. Okay. So, and there's there's some reason for that because of just exactly what you're, what you're referring to. Well, I appreciate you coming on, and I really want to talk to everybody about the need for volunteer firefighters and EMS and rescue 
all around the country, especially because so much of our listening audience are in rural areas. We've got to take a quick commercial break, but let's get into that right when we come back. That sound okay, Steve? You betcha. Carhartt makes gear to get you through anything. So DMB Supply offers a wide selection to outfit any day, any task, and any weather. Built to stand the test of time and have your back no matter what comes your way. Carhartt clothing keeps you comfortable all day long. And for extra hard jobs, check out Carhartt Force, the line that wicks sweat, fights odors, releases stains, and works as hard as you do to outlast them all. Get decked out in Carhartt at DNB. At DNB Supply, we know that what's inside counts. That's why we dish out Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Grower Feed. Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed has an exclusive blend of nutrients to support a chick's immune system and overall health, even preventing coccidiosis. Raise healthy chicks with Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed. Available now at your favorite D&B. All right, Steve. Well, now that we're back, I I really want to talk about the need for volunteer firefighters and talk a little bit about what's going on in our country. So if you could talk about that for a minute, I guess let's start off. Why did you volunteer? Why did you want to be on the front lines, I guess, as opposed to only representing, say, the National Volunteer Fire Council? Well, um, you know, in in most of the communities out here, I mean, in, in our part of the world, you know, a big town would be seven or eight thousand people, and and I suspect in probably most of your listening area that's probably true as well. We don't have the call volume to be able to hire, nor do the taxpayers have enough money to be able to hire people full time to mm-hmm. do this. So they have to rely upon volunteers. From a personal perspective, other than the fact that I grew up in uh, in the fire service, from a personal perspective, if my house is on fire, I'd like somebody to respond. <laughs> if my if my family is involved in a car wreck. I'd like somebody to be able to come and get them out. If my family's sick, you know, I want EMTs that are probably volunteer to to come and help them. You know, here, uh, oh, within the last six months, uh, we did a regional fire school at uh, Hoisington, Kansas, which is down in the, pretty much in the center part of the state. And their command vehicle, which is a pickup, has a slogan on the side of it, which I think sums it up pretty well. It says, neighbors helping neighbors in their time of need. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that's really what it's all about. In your region there, especially in, in Kansas, Oklahoma, was it just last year that they had those massive wildfires? A couple, three years ago, we had okay. some fairly big uh, wildfires. Of course, probably by Oregon and Idaho standards, uh, they might not be considered very big because it seems like you have you have some massive wildfires out in that part of the country. You do. Uh, but they were, they were certainly big here. Started in Oklahoma, came up into Kansas. There hadn't been a lot of prescribed burning in that area to, to get rid of some of the fire fuels. I think, uh, you know, this is wildfire awareness week across the country, and uh, people need to know how to protect themselves. Uh, you know, you, mm-hmm. you can rely upon your volunteer fire department to show up, but you also need to be making sure that, that you're taking uh, preventive measures uh, on your own as well. You bet. Now, just to give some perspective to everybody listening, how many communities throughout the United States rely on volunteers for firefighting, for EMS, for rescue, all of that? Well, I'm not sure what the total number is. We, I know that the latest statistics for 2014 shows about 1.1 million firefighters across this country, of which about 70 to 75 percent are volunteers. So, around 800,000 volunteers, 27,000 fire departments, so you can probably translate that. uh, But obviously any community in this country that's uh, probably a 5,000 population or less, the chances of them being covered by a volunteer fire department are pretty high. Yeah, and so 7 out of 10 nationwide. Right. Wow, that's really significant. And so I, it takes a lot, I would assume, to to get people to volunteer. I mean, so, for example, I used to work in the city of Boise here in Idaho, and we had a, a full-time paid fire department, and people looked at that and went, wow, what a job. But volunteers are doing this after their work. Or during their work. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, it, I mean, it is, it's physically demanding work, obviously, and it's also mentally challenging. Last Thursday night, I and and my crews were out on a on a fatality wreck south of town. You know those those are those are difficult things for mm-hmm. for people to have to have to process in their in their brain. You know we look 
in terms of the National Volunteer Fire Council, some of the programs we've got are meant to try and address some of those needs in the volunteer service, again, to, to help make them safe and to, and to make them proficient in the job that they do. Firefighting being a team sport is only our team is only as strong as the weakest link. So we want to make sure that firefighters are active and healthy and eating nutritious meals and watching their health. And for myself, personal story, about six years ago, because of blood screening that we did in my department, a fully volunteer department, I found out I was diabetic. I was able to lose because of some of the nutrition information that we're able to provide to our volunteers. Shed a uh, 60 pounds off my frame and uh, you know feel a whole lot better mm-hmm. because of that so you know there's a lot of things out there recipes that use beef that we all like uh, you know programs and and one of the things we find with heart health is making sure that people or firefighters are drinking water out there in the field cancer is a big issue in the fire service and we're doing everything we can to try and keep firefighters from getting cancer because the incidence of cancer among firefighters nationwide is is higher than the civilian population which is because of some things we're doing and some things that we're not doing that we should be and then third and I know this, I don't want this to be a negative thing because there are concerns out there, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's heart health or whether it's uh, cancer. But the third thing is um, we see a lot of firefighters and EMTs taking their own lives because any firefighter, volunteer or career firefighter who's been in the service for a long period of time, if I ask them to close their eyes and think about the worst scene that they've been on, mm-hmm. they could automatically, almost magically be transported back to that time. They would be able to tell you what it smelled like, the sounds that they had. But but the main thing is the purpose of the NVFC, National Volunteer Fire Council, is to try and make sure that, that our firefighters are getting the tools they need to be able to serve their communities. And, you know, there's there's a lot of things we can do. We can keep people alive. We can, we can help their heart health. We can keep them from getting cancer. We can provide tools out there so that their mental health is good too and and that's that's what we're trying to do absolutely now you brought up you brought up the well before i go to that question i just want to address the the issue with with suicide from first responders i mean it's definitely a hard job and you see things and it takes your toll so there's got to be a lot of attention paid to to your mental health and your emotional health along the way as well Exactly. And what the National Volunteer Fire Council has done is we've partnered with the American Addiction Centers. We have a toll-free number that first responders can call. They're going to be answered by a firefighter. They're going to be assessed and then, you know, provided some type of mental health counseling. Well, I tell you what, we're we're working hard to get that phone number out to make sure that firefighters are taken care of. Sure. Um, And all people have to do is go to the National Volunteer Fire Council website, and they're going to find that number got posters we're trying to get up in all the fire stations uh, you know th- there's mm-hmm. no reason for a needless death like that well and one of my goals with doing this episode today is i want to bring more awareness to the need for this in rural communities and the fact that most fire departments all are volunteer across the country and i, I want to motivate people to be involved but i certainly don't want to use rose-colored glasses to do that so i'm glad you brought that up because it's something that people really need to know before sure. they get involved in doing this and i think the fire service is doing a better job of making sure that before you know when people first come in the in the fire service in the volunteer fire service that they come in with open eyes because as long as we know there's a problem out there we can always find solutions to mm-hmm. them. That's not the issue. I find, too, that with my volunteer firefighters and volunteer firefighters across America the same, if you give them the tools, they will rise to the occasion and, in fact, will exceed your expectation. Uh, just Because, you know, when you look at it, volunteer firefighters, if you're a career firefighter, you're a firefighter. That's that's your job. Mm-hmm. As a volunteer firefighter, on my department, i got people who work at the John Deere dealership. i got people who work for the city. i got people who are attorneys or accountants, uh, you name it. They come from all walks of life, which is a beautiful thing for us because, for example, when we're out on an accident scene, they can put all those things that they have in their little kit bag of knowledge from from their work life and apply them to a, to an incident scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just it's wonderful. You know, the one thing I want to make clear is that you may be a volunteer firefighter. You may be doing it, getting called away from work. You may be doing all your training after work, but you're possibly going to be responding to the exact same time of of emergencies that that any 
full-time paid firefighter would be as well. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I think is unique about volunteer firefighting, too, is that, uh, you know, I said the, the slogan at Hoisington, Kansas, neighbors helping neighbors in their time of need. One of the things in the volunteer fire service is most of these calls that we're going to respond to, we're probably going to know these people. We, you know, mm-hmm. Certainly if they have houses, we know them. But that's also to our advantage because we know what they look like on the inside, too, and, and that helps us do our job. When we go to medical calls, we know those people, and, and they're our friends and our neighbors and our relatives, and that's one up for us. That's why the volunteer fire service is so so good. We certainly have, you know, a, a wide variety of things. I mean, people think about fire department, they think about fire, but but our mission has expanded so much over the last 30 years. Uh, when my father started in the fire service 50 some years ago, it was put wet stuff on red stuff, and today it's it's way more than that. In fact, sure. the, the number of fires has actually gone down. But we're doing lots more things, whether it's with hazardous materials or if the department happens to do. EMS, and, and a lot of them do, working wrecks, working carbon monoxide calls uh, when their alarms go off. I mean, there, there's a lot of things other than fire mm-hmm. that we do and have to be prepared for. Now, how is, uh, across the nation, how is staffing on volunteer fire departments going? I think what you'll find is that in places it is in dire need, and in other places, not so bad. My fire department, for example, in a county of 2,500 to 3,000 population, we roster about 105 firefighters. So that's that's a pretty good deal. And, and we don't, our department, we don't seem to have any trouble recruiting young people. But I will tell you, too, that recruitment for the volunteer fire service, it's a, it's a 24-7 deal. When you find some young man or woman or older man or woman that you think would make a, a good firefighter, why you got to start working on them. I've, I've got a kid that uh, works for a highway contractor, and I was after him for about three years, and, and he's just, you know, he finally came on the department and just does a super job. I'm, I'm extremely proud of of all the young men and women who are out there and, and on all, all the people who are volunteering. I just think they do a tremendous job for their community. But the things that we find... I mean, there are challenges. I think in some places it's a leadership challenge in departments, but the practical matter is in a lot of our small communities, the communities have gotten older. Some mm-hmm. of the younger people are not there, and those people that are there, they've got a, they've got a lot of call for their time. Mom and dad are both working now, which wouldn't have been the case 50 years ago, and, and somebody's got to take care of the kids, and both mom and dad running off in the middle of the night isn't going to work very well. Mm-hmm. I made the comment the other day, I spoke down in Oklahoma to the Firefighters Association, I made the comment that, because my wife was there in the audience with me, that that I don't think there was ever a storm, tornado, thunderstorm, ice storm, blizzard, that my wife actually had me at home, because I was always away, you know, yeah. working with working with the public. And so our, you know, our spouses, goodness gracious, husbands or wives, they're really the unsung hero in a lot of this stuff because they're the ones that they recognize if we're having mental health issues. Sometimes we take it out on them. But man, I tell you what, if it, it weren't for a good spouse at home, a lot of people couldn't volunteer because they're, they're just, they're really the backbone of this whole, <laughs> this whole show. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You've got to have that support at home or it just doesn't work. Now, you mentioned a moment ago about the the young man that you were recruiting to be on the fire department, and you talked about kind of spotting somebody out who would be a a great firefighter. So for people listening right now who are are thinking, well, maybe this is something I'd like to do for my community, but I don't know if I'm the the right person, what does make a good volunteer firefighter? You know, it it is not for everybody. There's no question about that because it's physically demanding and, and mentally challenging. But, you know, I think if you just find somebody who really wants to give back to their community, that's really all we're looking for. Some places they just look for a pulse because they're that <laughs> desperate to try and find yeah. people. Uh-huh. But, uh, and you know, I find we have turnover. I mean, there are people who come on and people who go because that's just not their thing, and, and that's okay. I, d- I don't know that I can tell you what the ideal what the ideal firefighter is, because I'm not sure that I've found it yet. But what I like to see in departments, and I spend a lot of time, especially in Kansas, but also across the country, what I love to see when I go on a fire department is to see a mix 
of young folks on that department and older folks because the young folks are the one that can get the job done because of the physically demanding tasks that there are there mm-hmm. and the old folks can keep them from making the same mistakes that they made 15 sure. or 20 years ago and hopefully keep them alive as a result of that to go into a department that's all old it ain't it just isn't there and if you go in one that's they're all young people that's not good either it's it has to be a good mix of that yeah you got to mix that physical ability with some wisdom Yep, very much so. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, let's take another break. When we come back, I want to ask about training and skills and things like that, and maybe that'll help our people listening to the show kind of figure out if they've got what it takes if they're interested in doing this. All right, sounds good. In the thick of winter, it's time to think about a thick, full lawn. No, really. At DMB Supply, we plan ahead and carry Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed so you can get a head start, too. For a better lawn this spring, limit foot traffic on those brittle leaves of grass. Sharpen your mower blades and schedule lawn feedings by creating reminders on your phone or calendar. Then pick up some Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed on your next trip to your favorite D&B Supply. At D&B Supply, we believe happiness comes from the inside out, especially when it comes to our pets. So give them Hill Science Diet for many happy wags and purrs. Using only high-quality ingredients, Hill Science Diet is expertly crafted for lifelong health. With formulas for every age, size, and special nutritional requirements, from joint care, oral health, and weight management, it's the number one choice of vets to feed their pets. Keep your pet happy-go-lucky and pick up Hill Science Diet at D&B. Well, Steve, let's talk about training and skills. So... What's a new volunteer firefighter? What kind of training are they going to undergo, and what kind of new skills are they going to learn and have to be able to do? Well, I'll tell you, the the training requirements are going to vary so widely across the United States. I'm not sure about Oregon and Idaho. I know in Kansas, we have no mandatory uh, training standards. Uh, Some states do. Some states don't for volunteers. You know, so that's going to vary a lot from department to department. I can tell you about my department. You come on. uh, We've got... We got a whole list of things that we want you to learn about. We want you to think about or learn about fire behavior, how fire behaves, why we're using the water to put out fires, the the physics and the chemistry of that, how to run the pumps. And my department, like most of them, we've got a lot of trucks in the station, and they got different pumps, and you got to learn how to run all of them. And mm-hmm. quite frankly, how to drive the apparatus because it doesn't do you a bit of good to have the nicest, shiniest equipment in the world if you can't get it there or if you wreck it en route. Uh, And then all the other things about making sure that your gear is being worn properly, uh, you know, suiting them up, getting them them equipped and ready to go. Again, that's going to vary wildly from department to department. A good department, they're going to work hard at training people. My department, for example, we meet every week, which is a huge time commitment for our people, but I stack them up against any career department anywhere in the country. Now, does every new, well, let's just take your department as an example. Uh, is every firefighter trained in EMS skills? Do they all become EMTs or emergency medical technicians, or is that just reserved for a few select firefighters? Well, and again, this is going to vary wildly across the United States. It's setting in the western half of Kansas, which is primarily rural, biggest towns out here, twenty to 25,000 population, and there's only uh, three or four of those. Uh, and that's, I'm talking about the entire western end of the state from the middle clear to the west to the Colorado line. Mm-hmm. There are very few of those that do EMS. But if I walked 15 miles north here up into Nebraska, in the, in the sand hills of Nebraska, the western end, the panhandle area, almost all the fire departments are going to provide some type of EMS service. And most of our places out here in the western part of Kansas, EMS is typically provided by uh, by a standalone agency that simply does EMS. Now, does that mean that we don't get called? No. I mean, all of our people are trained with first aid, basic first aid, CPR. I mean, because you just never know when you might uh, when you might need that. Mm-hmm. I have a number of firefighters who are EMTs who not only volunteer for the fire department but also volunteer for the EMS agency. But but in some places, if you're a firefighter, you're probably going to be an EMT too. And uh, that's a lot more hours, and, it, and it's, yeah. it's difficult. And it, when it comes to bringing on new volunteers, what is the cost to get them trained up and ready to go? 
Well, again, again, it's going to vary a lot because some places don't have any mandatory training. I, I don't know. Frankly, in my department, I would kind of hesitate to say that there's a cost really to that because we're training our new firefighters at the same time that we're re-educating our older firefighters. In Kansas, we, our state association does regional fire schools, which are there's no cost to to local fire departments to do that. I think you'll find that all through the United States, the training is probably not an issue because most of that can be done Mm in-house with very little cost. And then if not, various state and federal agencies uh, are always available to come out and and assist with training, including the NVFC, because there's, there's, um, you know, with the the younger population, uh, we find a lot of folks who want to do online training, there are a number of courses that are available through the NVFC through our website that people can go on and, and can do that at their own their own leisure too. Now, you mentioned earlier that in your district you're not having a trouble you're not having trouble bringing in uh, younger recruits, new uh, younger volunteers, but across the nation, especially in rural areas, with what we're seeing in population dynamics, with more young people leaving and going to urban areas for work. Is that a problem that we're seeing, bringing in that new class of volunteers? It, it is in a lot of places, and, and, and I'll tell you that uh, sometimes it depends upon the proximity to an urban center. Uh, in my part of the world, there are no urban centers, so most of my volunteer firefighters are not commuting to work. They work uh-huh. in the community in which they live, so it's not as big an issue. But but certainly, certainly you get in the eastern part of Kansas, which is more urbanized, that is an issue, and they do have trouble finding people. And, and sometimes, even out here, uh, employers maybe are a little short-sighted, and, and they don't want their employees taken off during working hours. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which is is too bad because you know that business might be the next one that needs the <laughs> services right. of a fire truck. Yeah. For my own experience, I can remember my dad telling me that in 1963, when they started the fire district, they went around door to door to get landowners to sign petitions to establish the fire district, and because they basically had no fire protection before that, mm-hmm. they had one person, one farmer, who wouldn't sign the petition because he didn't want his taxes to go up. My dad always tells the story that uh, that's the first person that had a fire, too. And that was a true story. I don't don't know who it was, don't know a name or anything, doesn't Uh matter. Uh, But various points in our lives, we we all have the need for fire and EMS services. And if we're going to live in rural areas, and we live in rural areas because we love living here, then we got to step up to the plate and help our neighbors out to make sure that there's an ambulance or a fire truck on the way when we need it. All right, Steve, one more break, and then we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap this up with information for people who want to learn more, okay? Very good. You wear jeans, but you live in Levi's. At D&B Supply, we've got a pair to fit you just right. Iconic and hardworking, Levi's are legendary. Worn by cowboys, rock stars, and everyday people, we carry different washes, styles, and sizes for both men and women. These jeans are ready for anything your day brings, from working outside to a night on the town. The denim legacy lives on every time you put them on. So pick up some Levi's at D&B. No matter where work takes you, D&B Supply makes it easy to get the job done with DeWalt FlexVolt Tools. With advanced battery technology, DeWalt FlexVolt Tools gives you the power of freedom to work without cords. For construction, remote job sites, and outdoor projects, the heavy-duty FlexVolt line offers everything from hammer drills to table saws to air compressors and more. So get out there and get to work with DeWalt FlexVolt Power Tools. Available at your favorite D&B Supply. Well, Steve, I wanted to ask just for the folks out there listening who are, they've kind of had their ears perked up and they're saying, you know, maybe this is something I'd like to do in my community. Uh, I, I worked for 15 years in a previous career as a police officer. And during that time, people who were interested in that career, they could come and they could do a, like a ride along or a job shadow to find out more about the job and kind of give them a better idea of whether or not they wanted to continue pursuing that as a career or as something they wanted to do as a volunteer, like as a reserve police officer or something like that. Is there anything that folks can do like that when it comes to volunteering as a firefighter? Oh, I think there are a lot of opportunities depending upon the department. We would always welcome people in my department, and I think and I think most fire departments would. They would welcome people coming to a training session and just sitting in on that and kind of figuring out what it's all about. You know, it's a little more difficult with, with ride-alongs in our business because – we're doing other jobs until the tones drop and then then we're out the door. It's a little more difficult, but you know, one of the things that people need to do if they're all interested in finding out about 
you know, who protects them. The NVFC has a website called MakeMeAFirefighter.org, okay. and that's a um, that's a website they can people can go on. They can type in their uh, I think they type in their zip code, and they can be hooked up with with departments in their area who are looking for help. It's a really it's a great resource. Okay, and that's called MakeMeAFirefighter.org. Correct. Okay. Very cool. So they can get more information there. They can explore it a little bit deeper if, if they've got that curiosity about possibly doing this. That's correct. Now, let me ask you about folks who would like to serve their communities. They'd like to be involved, but they're just not going to be able to be a traditional firefighter. How can non-traditional people volunteer? Okay. One of the things that I think we in the fire service probably don't do well enough is that we're always out there searching for traditional volunteers, somebody that can hump a hose line, somebody that can uh, take a a set of extrication equipment and cut a car up, but yet we don't look for the the non-traditional things. uh, In my department, for example, I got a couple of ladies that bring us in cookies every once in a while. That's kind of nice. I mean, guys (laughs) appreciate that. Guys and gals appreciate that. They we have to kind of keep the locale stuff down, you know, for for weight. But it, it's it's nice for people to do that. And I'm going to tell you that even if somebody doesn't want to do that, there isn't a department out there that couldn't use bottled water. People can buy a case of water and take their fire department. I, I don't think there's a department out there that wouldn't love to have somebody bringing them water because water is going to keep us alive out mm. there. Frankly, from my perspective, I want to find somebody who likes to clean toilets, but... Um, <laughs> because that's a job that none of us want to do, but it has to be done. There's so many non-operational things that people can do. Truck drivers who are retired who maybe have operated large equipment who could at least volunteer to get a truck to the scene. There there are a lot of things that people can do to to help out. And like I said, even if it's just bringing in a case of water, it would help. Money is always great, but little things like that go a long way to making sure that people feel appreciated for the job they're doing. And they, they did such a tremendous job across this country of, of protecting us all. It's interesting, but it you know it's a business and it requires all those different support services to get the job done. Right. I, I was just reading an article, uh, you know, one of the fire chiefs, and it was in a back east department. He said he was spending more time doing pancakes feeds, raising money, doing recruitment than what he was actually fighting fires. And, and I think that's that's probably true. Mm-hmm. In a good department, everybody on that department is doing recruitment. Everybody is, is doing awareness for the public. That's the way it works. Well, Steve, this has been great. For people who want more information, you mentioned makemeafirefighter.org. Are there other places they can go for information as well? Well, the other course is going to the master site for the National Volunteer Fire Council, which is NVFC, nationalvolunteerfirecouncil.org, nvfc.org. They'll find a lot of information about departments and what they need. And I know, uh, again, in Oregon and, and Idaho going just Googling so they don't have to remember a name, just Googling Oregon Volunteer Firefighter Association or Idaho Volunteer Firefighter Organization, you know, they'll be able to click on links that will take them to state associations who I know will be glad to link people up with, with local departments that, that have needs. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on and spending the time and doing what you do, Steve. Really appreciate it and really appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. You bet. Thank you all for joining us today, and here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle, however you define it. For the D&B Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.